0: on the Loyal Littles podcast.
1: But he was going with his friend Neil and his friend Alan Bubis, and I knew about this trip, but one day I am, I don't remember exactly where I was on campus, but my phone rings and I pick it up and it's my dad and he says, I have someone here that wants to talk to you. (laughs) I I hear an unmistakable voice and what he says is, Bobby, your dad just paid me $10,000 to tell you that I was Tony Kornheiser.
2: Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Roxy. Unfortunately, we have to start off with some really sad news. Yeah, we had to let Chuck go. Tiny Chuck just was not cutting it on the Loyal Littles Podcast. He was getting ripped all over the place for so many errors he made and whatnot. And so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try to find someone else to fill his spot. I'd love to yell April Fool's right now. Chuck, are you there?
3: I heard all that. Is that what that pink slip was on my door the <laughs> Chuck!
2: <laughs> I, I wish it was April Fool's, but Chuck, you did make a really big error, and we're going to start there this week. <laughs> and ironically, Chuck, it wasn't Bobby who called you out on this. It was our good friend from up in Wisconsin, Steve Oswald, uh, is the one that wrote in Chuck. And uh, Chuck, I know you already know about this. Do you want to put your tail between your legs and you... You want to clean this up? Clean up on aisle whatever?
3: (laughs) Clean up on aisle (laughs) infinity. So, Uh,
2: Steve, tell us, Chuck.
3: That apparently there was more than one Negro boy. um,
2: (laughs) That played Major League Baseball.
3: (laughs) That played Major League Baseball. And also a knuckleballer. And I mixed Phil up with his brother, joe who apparently was the one who was caught on camera doctoring the ball and i you know come on that's been (laughs) 30 years ago chuck i (laughs) I just just died phil is a hall of famer joe is i don't know who joe is joe who
2: <laughs> I mean, now I'm gonna have to fact check everything you report for us, Chuck. I mean, come well, on, man. It's that my, was so. My New funny. Year's
3: resolution, okay. Sorry, I'm not perfect. My New Year's resolution is to be more perfect. Okay, that's what I'm <laughs> okay. gonna try. <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> in, in the podcast defense, at least we did report the right one passing away. So that's a good start. So yeah, right.
0: Oh, that's yeah. good.
2: Anyway, those Chuck. Negro boys, nothing those but.
3: Those Negro <laughs> boys, it's like those Duke boys, Chuck. Remember that's that? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I know their names, but I better not say it. I might get it wrong. <laughs> Mo and Luke Duke—that's who it is. Yeah, Chuck. There you go. Do you remember? Do you remember their cousin, Chuck? Come on. Uh, well, yeah. Who doesn't remember the cousin <laughs> Daisy Duke? <laughs> Daisy Duke. Yeah. Ah. Roscoe Pete
2: Coltrane. All right, we're going way '80s. <laughs> Let's move on. We are going to start today. You know, we get these emails. We don't do a whole email segment. We don't get many. We'd love to get more. WTFC Podnet. At gmail.com, if you want to write to us, but we do get a couple ones here and there, and some of them are really nice, and we like to share them. We got a nice email from Bob Walsh in Weathersfield, Connecticut. Now, that's close to you, right, Roxy? Ooh.
0: Well, right. Weathersfield is north of me, it's um, closer to the Hartford area than the Stamford area.
2: Gotcha, gotcha. But okay.
0: I know exactly where it is.
2: So Bob wrote a nice, decent length email. I'm just going to read the last part because it was really sweet. He says, I was also thinking about something that Eric Lonergan said. After sketching the outlines for his doodles, he started coloring and that's where the real work begins. That's what your show is doing for us littles. Although some of us have met in person, for the most part, we only know each other from the limited outlines we create on social media. You are helping fill in those outlines, providing color and substance to the connective tissue. If that sounds over the top, it's not. If you doubt this, go back and listen to Tony reading Robert Berg's email announcing his and Jamie's engagement. Thank you for your good work, Lonergan's Doodles, and your show, Two Good Things Coming Out of This Pandemic. And uh, that was really sweet, nice. Bob. Yeah. Chuck and Roxy, what did you do on your big night? Anything? Now, I hope you didn't go out anywhere and get crazy because of the, what we're going through here. But, Chuck, you, you were probably in bed by 10, right?
3: Oh, for sure. Now, I did not go out, but the missus and I went over to a friend's house and had, we have garages here in the sticks. So <laughs> we, uh, we got outside in the garage. We had a heater and we had a couple of libations. And then, um, yeah, came home, ate dinner. And yes, I was asleep in bed and asleep by 10 p.m. that's and that's that's pretty late for me actually even (laughs) oh you were serious so you did you missed the ball and all that oh yeah i could give a crap about the ball (laughs) i am not a new year's person i feel like it's that's right we we didn't clarify that yeah holiday i mean i woke up this morning and like i said we're having our mimosas and we said happy new year and we're enjoying the day and the holiday but yeah the night thing that's for Kids and amateurs.
0: <laughs> Roxy, Each what did their you do? Own. So my New Year's Eve, I ended up for dinner. I had pasta, uh, not in the instant pot.
2: What? Wait, uh, you can make uh, pasta in the instant pot.
0: Yes, you can make anything in the oh, instant
2: pot. Sakes. Why don't you just boil some water on the stove, people? <laughs> oh anyway, my God! Not again! Right, go go Let's not get into that again.
0: Anyway, I made pasta, and I decided that I had three choices of noodles. And I chose the bow tie noodles because I wanted to feel like I was at a black tie New Year's Eve bash. So I thought if I have the bow ties in my pasta, it'll make me feel fancy. Cute, Um, nice. I did not dress up. I thought about it, but I decided, eh, I'm just going to sit on the couch. The bow ties are enough. So then after dinner, I ended up watching the new Disney movie that just came out on Disney Plus called Soul. And I thought it was, really great
2: all right wait wait you hesitated there
0: yeah no well okay so it took me a little bit to understand quite what was happening but i thought it was really well done it was a pixar movie so adorable cartoonish pixar-y characters i thought the story had some really good themes in it some good okay. morals and all of that and the music it's spoiler alert there's jazz oh. music in it and
3: oh okay it's, all right it's they don't spoil it you
0: know but... i love jazz music. all right
3: chuck have you so... seen that yet no is that on disney plus, disney plus. yeah okay. okay i'm gonna get uh, it because we want to watch the mandalorian too so right i figure we've got three-day weekend here and looks like it's gonna be one of those stay in kind of weekends so yeah, sure. i'm gonna put well, that on the list okay so i have seen it and I will take the Will
2: Bond position on this. Uh-oh. I was very... Well, this is why when she hesitated, I was like, ah, see? Well, all right. I'm not going to say it was terrible or anything like that. It was... Okay. Now, I love Pixar movies. They are so great. I am such a Pixar fan. And this one started out, not to disappoint, I thought the beginning... It takes a weird turn. That's all I'm going to say for my liking, okay?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Had they just kept it with, like, the beginning and the end of the film... I think I would have thoroughly enjoyed it. And yes, Roxy's right. There's some really good jazz in it. And it's, it's about a music school teacher and I don't want to go too much into it because it's a, I didn't even realize the, even the name of the movie has like a double meaning, which I did not realize. So I don't want to go too much into it because I don't want to spoil anything. But I just, I got to be honest, I was not as impressed as other Pixar movies in the past. It was okay. I, I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm not saying don't see it. I'm just saying it, there's, it takes a weird turn. And in the middle, there's some other characters that I just didn't, it was kind of confusing. And even sure. for an adult, so I'm trying to think if this is even a film that you could, obviously you could have kids watch it. But I think they're going to be really confused a little bit. Or maybe I just was out there. I don't know. Anyway.
0: (laughs) Well, I do have to say most Pixar movies, I'm crying, ugly crying, at least a solid 15 minutes of the movie. And with this movie, I will say my ugly cry didn't really begin until the last two minutes of the movie when it all just sort of. It all to, connects, and it yeah. does all come full circle, and you understand it at the very end, but instead of the ugly cry for 15 minutes, it was an ugly cry for two minutes and maybe a couple minutes after of me just sitting there thinking about what I just witnessed. Perfect um, way
2: to sum it up, Roxy. I yeah. agree. That, that I will agree with yeah. that part. The ending was really good, and like I said, yeah. the, the beginning was really good. I was so excited. I was like, oh, I'm yeah. going to love this movie, because I do. I love all Pixar movies usually, and uh, so yeah, yeah, you should see it.
0: The buildup was just a little a little bit different than what right. we're used to.
2: All right, so let's get this thing moving now. Actually, first, before we start the show, we have a little bit of an announcement. We'd like to take a second. And I just did – maybe we'll start doing this. Maybe we'll start teasing the upcoming interviews. I, I kind of like – well, I kind of like that it's a surprise. Now, we've been getting some feedback from other people thinking, like, maybe it would get more listeners if they knew who was coming on and stuff like that. I don't know. We're, we're still kind of feeling this whole – process out but one thing i would like to do a little quick shout out we have a new facebook group not sure if many of you know a lot of you probably like it because it takes some of the betting stuff away from the big groups that we have but bob sprawl he started a group called littles picking games it's a new facebook group i wanted to give a quick shout out to that and uh, they've been doing some fun stuff over there. So I just like how the connective tissue is connecting other ways. So check out that new Facebook group, Littles Picking Games, if that stuff interests you. And uh, Chuck, yes. Did you know you have some neighbors? Uh, yes, I did know that.
3: It's either house <laughs> <Okay>. from here.
2: <laughs> Chuck, did you know you have little neighbors? Really, little neighbors? Uh, Apparently so, Chuck. On the big show earlier this week, I think I want to say it was the Wednesday show. The schedule was a little off, but I believe it was the Wednesday show. Teresa Lahey from Springfield, Missouri, wrote a Get out of her- here. Yeah. Do, you, do you have any idea who that is, Chuck?
3: No. Oh, okay. I'm a tiny, I only roll. No, I know, nineties. I know. But I,
2: how funny would it have been if that was like your next door neighbor, Chuck? I just thought really? that was funny.
3: Well, and, I wouldn't know that, but that's pretty. I
2: mean, it's a small town,
3: so. Yeah, geez. right.
2: Yeah, so Teresa Lahey, shout out
3: uh, from Chuck
2: from Tiny Chuck's Town of Springfield, Missouri. Now Chuck, he read a second email, but it just said Rich from Springfield. So Tony actually assumed it was the same Springfield, but obviously there's plenty of Springfields <laughs> yeah, out there, so we don't know. If this, right. We we can't c- completely confirm that that was the Springfield, Missouri, Rich. But uh, yeah, Chuck. So keep an wow. eye out for uh, I say hello, I and. Couple quick updates, real quick. My model situation. I'm not going to go into it, but it's not <laughs> fun. It's not good. However, <laughs> I do feel a little bit of redemption. Is that the word I'm looking for, Roxy? Yeah, well, I think so. Okay. Well, so as you know, all of our devices—they're listening to us nonstop, twenty-four-seven. They're listening. We're being listened to. Yeah. So because of all this talk, and I also have been back and forth with customer service, obviously. Well, now. I'm getting all these advertisements on my Facebook page for Models. So this is fabulous because I can comment on all these and boy, am I commenting. That's all I'm gonna say. (laughs) That's all I'm gonna say, warning all the customers out there about my situation with Models that is still ongoing. And so that's been fun actually. And I'm more than happy to see that advertisement pop up because there's like four or five different ones. So you better believe I'm commenting on all of them. And one of them actually had the audacity to get back in touch with me saying, Oh, sir, please reach out to our customer care service and we'll have someone call you within three to five business days or something like that to help solve this. Solution. I'm like, trust me, we're we've been there, done that. It's not getting solved. So I'm just going to keep trashing your company. Anyway, wow. moving on. We have an update. And Roxy, this is going to grind your gear, I think, a little bit. Yeah, as expected, Saints running back Alvin Kamara will be making an—they're calling it an involuntary contribution to the NFL's version of the Human Fund. Let me credit this real quick. This is from Mike Florio, I think is how you say his name. He's the one reporting on this. According to NFL media, the NFL has fined Kamara $5,000 for wearing those non-conforming cleats during the Christmas Day game against the Vikings— while he while wearing the shoes, Kamara, who compared the eventual punishment to the Grinch trying to steal Christmas, became the first player to score six touchdowns in a game since Bears running back Gale Sears in 1965, which I believe we reported on that
3: a couple weeks ago, right, Chuck? That's correct.
2: Yeah, And so the Hall of Fame surely will want to display those cleats. Kamara frankly should decline to loan them to the museum in Canton unless until the fine is rescinded. Or alternatively, he should charge the Hall of Fame five thousand for the privilege of using them. Yeah. So Roxy, you were that was upsetting a little bit to you.
0: Uh yeah, the NFL is in fact the Grinch. I'm sorry. I don't care what color shoes you have. The only reason that you should find somebody is if the shoes are somehow altered in a way where, I don't know, there's like a jetpack attached to them to make you <laughs> run faster, jump higher. I don't know, but it's colors. That's the only difference in his shoes is that's what my understanding is. So why can't you let these guys on certain occasions have some fun and show their personalities a little bit? I personally would rather colorful shoes than them risking injury with the crazy celebrations that they do when they like tackle somebody.
3: I 100 percent agree. I mean, look at the NBA. They get to wear whatever sneakers they want at any game at any time, and they can change him every other game, so what's the problem? I mean, if the NBA right. can do it, I mean, they're wearing uniforms on pants and shirts are, mm-hmm. are conforming, but you should be able to have some fun with your shoes and show some personality. What's the problem?
0: I'm totally for regulating maybe the types of shoes that are allowed. I mean, it's the same thing with baseball and bats. Like, the bats can't be altered in any way because that's considered cheating, so I get that. Sure, fine. You want to have those regulations on the shoes? Great, I'm I'm on board with that. But I mean, come on. Again, it's colors. It's a all right. Are you gonna holiday. make me go
2: all Wilbon on this topic?
0: Uh, all right, I'll be Wilbon.
2: Yes, you gotta go. All willed. right. Well, Grinch, Chuck, and Roxy—they are called uniforms for a reason. Okay, they should be in uniform. Uh, I believe the definition is that they all. Look alike. Well, the article does go on quick. The league allowed Kamara to wear the cleats for the full game because they did not present a safety or branding issue, which is kind of what you guys were talking
0: about. Kind of them.
2: Well, (laughs) okay, but it continues. It's still difficult if not impossible, to reconcile that approach with the decision in 2019 to compel Browns receivers Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry to change their own non-conforming shoes at halftime of a game. So
4: it's it's one of those,
2: a rule is a rule, and we have to follow the rules. Roxy, you're a rule follower, so maybe they just need to change the rule.
0: Just change the rule. It's not that hard
2: all right you two well let's get out of here because we have a great guest today it is now time to get our drink on and meet the meet little back <laughs> your We are being played in by Dante Mazzetti, and this song is called A Night. Now, we've played some of Dante's stuff before, and this is the guy that does, if you go to his Facebook music page, he does this thing, My Corner of New York, and it's really cool. He does these shows every Thursday and Sunday, live from his balcony in New York City, and you see the Empire State Building in the background, it's just a really cool thing. If you want to hear more of Dante's stuff, you can find him on iTunes. All his stuff is there. And you can simply go to DanteMazzetti.com. That is is D-A-N-T-E-M-A-Z-Z-E-T-T-I.com. And as always, we'll play the entire song, The Night, at the end of the podcast.
4: But I can explain it all for you It would be long. All right, all you loyal
2: Littles, it's our favorite segment, Meet the Littles. I hope you're getting your drink on because please welcome David Spector. Hey, David, how you doing?
1: Hello, Chuck. Hello, Roxy. Hello, Littles. (laughs) Hello.
2: Hello, hello. So, David, uh, what we usually do is just turn the floor over to you, tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, introduce yourself to the other Littles. I'm sure most of them know who you are. But just in case, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, it's, it's kind of shocking that people would know who I am just because I, I kind of feel like such a Johnny-come-lately, not not to the TK podcast, but just kind of like the whole Littles culture. Um, but just to kind of give, give lay the sense, my name is Dave Spector. I am the owner, chief winemaker, uh, tractor driver, pretty much you name it, of Bell's Up Winery. We are located in the little town of Newburgh, Oregon, which is about 25 miles or so southwest of Portland um, in the beautiful Willamette Valley. Valley. Let's see, I have, I know you always like to ask how long we've listened to Tony. Um, I, with Tony, I go all the way back to sports reporters days. I was kind of one of those really, really dorky kids who on the weekends just kind of looked forward to him and Feinstein and and kind of all the other folks on that show, really intelligent conversations. Uh, And then of course, you know, like most of us, we started watching him on PTI. But when I started listening to the radio show was way back ah, this would have been the early 2000s at the time um, i was in my previous career and i found out i don't even remember how i found out that his local radio show was live streaming and i just got hooked and i have listened to it in its various forms and everything ever since and so i am so thrilled to be a loyal little for now i'm thinking like almost 20 years this is this is amazing Well, Ah. that was going to
2: be my first question. You said, Johnny, come lately. I was like, you got 10 years on me. I, of course, watched PTI from when it first started, but I did, I've told the story before how I came across this little podcast thing. Well, actually it was on the radio then, but I thought you were going to say, oh, I've only been a loyal little for three years or something like that. I was like, wow. First of all, thank you. You gave away that you've been listening to the podcast. So that's nice. That's really nice. Uh, you're <laughs> yes. like, I know one of the questions already. I was like, oh, wow, that means he's been actually listening. So that's great. Wow, That's exciting. <laughs> well, OK, so listeners, sometimes we'll do this with video. Sometimes we won't. He has this video on right now and I am looking at this room. Why don't you describe the room you're in right now? so <laughs>
1: The, the room I'm in, so we, we are in our barrel room area and it is also where when we are allowed to do wine tastings, we do the tastings in here when the weather is bad. it's uh, The room itself is roughly 36 by 30 feet. So it, it's not very big, but what you would see behind me is all of our barrels. And we have a combination of French oak and steel barrels. And this is kind of where we do all of our wine aging, right right here on site. And being a small place, The nice thing is that we don't need a whole heck of a lot of space, you know, but we do need some. But what we kind of like about this space is that it's small enough that a small number of people, uh, well, namely one person, uh, can actually manage maintaining everything that goes on with the aging process of this winery. Mm. So what's unfortunate just kind of is, you know, if, if the weather was really nice at this time of year, I would be sitting out on the deck, which is on the south side of this building, and I would have a view looking down south across the beautiful Willamette Valley, and you'd see all sorts of amazing things but we're doing this at the end of the year. And so, yeah, we're now into kind of that Northwest winter of cold and rain and, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I'd still prefer it to snow and sleet and all that stuff, but yeah, it doesn't quite lend itself to doing a lot of outside discussions.
4: Right.
2: Well, it looks beautiful, sir. That's all I can say. I've lost count at like 10 barrels and it's like, it's, it just looks great now. My next thing, totally, you don't even know I'm going to ask this. Okay. I feel, well, first of all, what is your official for the Tony Kornheiser podcast? You are the official what?
1: I, let's see. I don't know that Tony has actually given me a, a name yet, but I what oh. I will take is the official micro
2: winery of the Tony Kornheiser oh, t- Okay. I knew it was so, Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> Well, he because, might not you know, have
1: given these. We, we make such little wine, you know. I, I you probably know just sort of as how we we got on this in the first place. I was not the first person working for an Oregon winery to reach out to him, but that particular winery is a much much larger winery and a and a wonderful winery. We love mm-hmm. them dearly, but it's it's just a very very different sort of thing when you're going from a publicly traded company that has a winery to the little mom and pop operation that I have well
2: okay so that's interesting right so you used to work for them
1: no 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 Oh, um, oh so my my introduction to being on the show started was back in May of this year. Tony has talked on and off about playing golf down at Bandon Dunes. And for, for those right. of you that aren't, and I'm not a big golf guy, but I know about Bandon Dunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's located on the central to Southern Oregon coast from where I am. It's probably about a four hour drive, give or take. So not exactly like it's around the corner, but it's a a very, very famous and very well-known course for by those who, who play and, Tony made a comment sometime in the latter part of April about wanting to go and play. And there is a lady named Duska Jensen. She is Madam Ambassador, and she works for Willamette Valley Vineyards, which is down in Salem, about an hour south of us. And a friend of hers heard Tony talking about this and I think misheard it and got the impression that Tony actually was coming out imminently to play it. So Duska sent an email to Tony and said, hey, we'd love to have you and come by and visit us while you're out on your golf vacation. And I'm hearing this on the podcast, and I thought for years about, because I would love, love, I said, I want to really want to send wine to Tony as a way to say thank you so much for keeping me sane through <laughs> years right. the years of my previous career. And, and I, I, you know, I've almost sent that email a million times, and I never did it. But then when Duska read her email, I kind of said, all right, look, this has to go. So within a couple hours, I had put out my first email, which was just basically, hey, I just want you to know we have a lot of littles out here that love you. And by the way, I have this small winery. And yes, if you ever do come out, we'd love to have you. I never expected the email to get read. I had never sent an email into the show. And never once did I actually think, oh, he's going to read it. Well, it's a Monday morning, and I remember (laughs) it, like it was May 11th. I remember this like it was yesterday. The pod on the West Coast drops at roughly seven in the morning. So I am up and I am in the shower, and this is kind of when I normally listen to the beginning of the podcast, and I'm getting ready to help my daughter through her online schooling, and here he begins talking and reading my email verbatim and I my jaw just absolutely hit
0: the floor. Wow.
1: And I thought, oh this is
2: David really David, we, we all remember our first time. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it is specialist.
1: Yeah, Isn't and, it? and I tell you, <laughs> I don't take it for granted because I no. know, I mean, I know enough to know that there are a lot of folks that have sent a lot of emails into the show that have right. never had something read. So it's not yeah.
2: some of Us too.
1: And so, yeah, I mean, that kind of began so many things. I really thought, okay, that was kind of gonna be the end of it. Well, within about two hours, the emails started coming in and the phone calls started coming in. And I absolutely was in shock. I mean, of course, I know there's a little Supporting Little's community. This has gone on for years. Of course, I know that. But until you start to see it in action, and, you know, I think most of us remember what life was like back in May for most folks. I mean, we had Mm -hmm. been closed down for two months. uh, And, you know, I know that for a lot of people, they were hurting, you know, people have been hurting badly at that point. And this was... I'm not exaggerating to say that this was the thing that probably saved our year
0: Wow! Wow. Um, Wow.
1: because we were looking at that time, we were even questioning, are we even going to make wine in 2020? Um, Mm -hmm. We had no idea if we were ever going to be able to get back open and, and then in what form we were going to be able to get back open. But to have that happen and to have, the littles and a few bigs and a few show contributors also reach out and i i just my heart just absolutely just ro- just bubbles over when i think oh about God. how important that show has been to us being able to hang in there and be able to really carry through this year and yeah and as you know obviously here we are now and you know the, the winery is shut down again but it, you know at least we can do some amount of shipping and like i said words were just fail you in moments like this we cannot begin to express our, our appreciation to everybody who's reached out to us and uh, and hopefully we've made some great connections and hopefully we can continue to do that going forward
0: i just uh, interview after your interview i'm just i'm learning about how wonderful this group is and it's just like every time i think i've like hit the limit the next interview the person says <laughs> something that just like puts it over the edge again. I just, I can't believe how wonderful these people are. It's so great. It's It's an amazing
1: group of folks. And Roxy, that kind of, you know, if you think about it, it kind of makes sense because if you think about the type of person who's most likely to listen to the show, it's somebody who's probably at least reasonably intelligent and really likes kind of the underdog story. That's, that's kind of what we've all been about. Um, and I think in some ways, maybe for us that at least with, with regard to us, that resonated with some folks because our whole business model, when we started out was to say that, look, we are going to be a very, very small place. We are only ever going to be a very small place. And the way we look at what we do is yes, we, we sell wine, But the most important thing that we do, in addition to making really good wine, is building relationships with customers. Yeah. And I think that has really resonated within, and it's not something that, you know, we consciously thought about as being a way to connect in that way. It's just been very fortunate that it's happened that way, and hopefully we can keep that momentum going.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I love it. I
0: love it. Well,
2: hopefully we'll get the word back out there again. I know I'm not going to be able to do as much as Tony has done, that's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we need shirts that just hashtag littles helping littles. I mean, it's 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 so great. I mean, and even this thing we did over the holidays with little elves, I mean, it's just the whole this is why I'm doing this. This it's is exactly why I'm doing this. I mean kind you know,
0: people being kind people.
2: Yeah, it's so great. <laughs> I mean, really, so,
0: kindness counts.
2: So real quick before we take a break, let's go back a little bit because I'm I'm interested about did you go to school like what what did you start before you became a wine a wine guy I guess I hope oh, that, no. I, I I hope that term's okay
1: oh yeah yeah no no <laughs> <Okay>. totally. <laughs> So it's definitely not been uh, linear. I've kind of had a lot of different paths. When I was when I went to school, I was studying to be an attorney. I did my undergrad at the Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. Okay. A law degree and MBA at the University of Cincinnati. And I and after I graduated from UC, I spent ten years working for a couple of large multinational public accounting firms. And my job was mergers and acquisitions analysis. And after about 10 years of that, suffice to say, I was done. (laughs) It's it's one of those, it's all transactions work, which means you are just on all the time. And you just kind of hit a point where it depends how you're wired, right? Like some folks, you could just tell this is what they lived for and, and God bless them, but it's just not what I wanted to do. Right. And so I was kind of at this point in my career where, okay, you have to start thinking about partner and all that thing when you're in a firm like that. And so I was kind of looking for an off-ramp. And right about this time is when the woman to who I am related by marriage and I started making wine purely as a hobby. And Sarah and I have always loved wine, but we're not we're not like academics about it. The things that we always loved about wine were, the experiences of going to wineries and asking people there just, you know, all the questions about why do you do what you do and, you know, what's your thought process behind that and just sort of going at it from that end. But it's not like we were going to sit around and study for master's exams or anything like that in it. So when we started making wine, what we did was we we went down to a supply shop and we literally got one of these pre-made box kits. Anybody can go and get one of these at a local supply shop near them, and what they basically give you is a a bag of pre-mixed and measured juice, the yeast, and then kind of all the little other tools that you need in order to make five gallons worth of not overly horrific wine, you know, it's not going to kill you. And what's neat about it is at least that experience is, is a great way to learn, because I think sure. for most folks, you don't spend a lot of time in front of something that is actively fermenting. So knowing what something is supposed to look like and smell like and taste like and all that it at least gives you that introduction. So that was fun. But I mean, even then we were like, oh, you know, OK, this is just going to be a hobby. And then it was about 12 years ago when we first visited the Willamette Valley out here in Oregon, and we came out to do a combination of trip out to the coast and then wine tasting, and we absolutely fell in love with the Willamette Valley. And Mm. at the time, there were a lot of wineries that were sort of these um, second careers for folks that had, you know, been doing something, engineers and lawyers and doctors and various professions, but folks that had kind of gotten done with the, the, the grind and wanted to do something a little different. And this was sort of that first time when I started to feel this calling and this idea that, hey, you know, we might actually be able to do this professionally. And we kind of started, when we got back from the trip, started thinking to ourselves, you know, okay, well, you know, maybe someday, you know, but we thought this was 20 years off. Well, about a month after we get back from that trip, my wife's professional mentor was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer at 40 years of age.
0: Oh, gosh.
1: And she had three young children and a husband, and she passed away just a few months later. And that was really, for us, the thing that just kind of crystallized that, you know what, life is too short not to have tried. Yeah, And not let something like this fester and give it a shot. And, you know, honestly, goodness, we figured what was the worst thing that could happen? If we fell flat on our faces, you can always go back to doing what you used to do and imagine all the great stories that you're going to have yeah. in your job. Interviews, right.
4: Yeah. And,
1: <laughs> and, and so we we made the decision at that point. We were going to go for it. But we knew that you can't just jump from what you're doing as a hobby to what you're doing, doing what we're doing right now. And so the way we transitioned was in early 2009, I quit my job and I spent the next three years as the seller assistant for a small urban winery um, back where we were living in Cincinnati and learning how to scale up into what you see now and spending that time just doing all the dirty work i mean it's all the work i do now but the thing is back then i had a safety net
0: right Yeah. yeah yeah
1: So just taking those three years and building that base of knowledge and that the feel with the tools and the equipment got us finally to a point where we felt we were ready to, to take the leap. And in 2012, we sold our house and we moved out here. And six months later, we had 10 acres on the side of the mountain where we are now. And we got to work right uh, right after that. Wow.
0: That's amazing. Oh my gosh, what a story. <laughs> right? All
2: right. You can stick around, right? You bet. All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back because I've got a ton more questions. Thank you so much. All right. We'll be right back, Littles. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles podcast. And we are very fortunate enough to have David Spector with us here from Bells Up Winery. And I have a, as we asked, but I have to ask, okay? Uh, you probably don't know a lot about me. I was a music education major. Awesome. And I, as I referenced earlier in this interview, he he does have his video on and he's wearing a Bells Up Winery shirt. I'm assuming that is what it is, right? It it
4: is, it is. Okay,
2: (laughs) okay. Yep, we we have
1: these things on Teespring, by the way, so people can go look for it
2: there. Oh, okay, all right. Well, don't you worry, we're gonna, (laughs) Roxy and I are gonna get some stuff and we're gonna plug stuff. We'll get get to all that. I feel stupid though, I do, because I think I already missed something earlier where I think I'm gonna get called out by some littles because like, how did you not know that? You know? And I was like, I, I do remember all these emails. I do remember all of this stuff when Tony was reading them but I did not realize, and I wonder how many other littles don't realize this. Now I'm assuming based on your shirt, the bells up is from he has a picture of a French horn on his shirt, not like jingle bells or church bells. That's what I thought it was came from. Can you explain that? I'm I'm guessing there's a meaning for that, right?
1: There is like everything else with this place. If anything else, we've at least put some thought into it. So when we started the winery, we wanted to, I mean, the first question that you have to answer is sort of the branding question. It's, you know, what are you going to name it? Most places, the way they solve it is they just take the owner's name and they slap it on there and and they're Mm -hmm. good to go. But we've really, I don't know, our egos don't really need that kind of stroking. We (laughs) thought it would be better to come up with a theme that people could connect with a little bit easier. And so I was a French horn player for 20 years. Uh, Ah,
2: Okay, here we go.
1: When I was in, yeah, I started playing in sixth grade and my dad was a trombone player. I have a younger brother who was a trumpet player we even like, this was the time of year when I was growing up where we used to do these like little tr- family concert trios where, you know, the three of us would get together and go caroling and do various Aww. things. So. Yeah. So, but I played all the way through when I was an undergrad at Miami, I played in the, the symphony and the wind ensemble and uh, you know, the marching band and concert band, all that good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I was at that point, I was a pretty good player, but I knew that The odds of me making it as a professional player were like slim to none. But I still have my horn all these years later. And so when it came time to kind of think about how we were going to name it, we said, well, geez, I mean, you know, the the horn looks like great on a logo. And it gave us the opportunity thematically to do some really fun things. Like we name each of our wines after pieces of music. And what they all have in common is they all have awesome French horn parts.
2: Okay. Oh, see, wow. this is blowing my Okay. See, all right. Now I'm, I will lay it out there. Littles, you can email us. You can yell at me. I did not know that. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. Well, I'm just amazed. First of all, for those of you who can't see it, I don't know if you- Littles, I haven't seen the logo. It's based on the bell of the horn and it's facing up. I mean, it's so clever. I'm just like blown away here. So bravo to you, sir. That's just great. And uh, I cannot wait to look at everything. And yeah, anyway. All right. So, David, we've been jumping all around, but so you grew up in Cincinnati, right? I
1: I I didn't grow up in Cincinnati, oh. so my again this is just another situation where my path just goes all over the place. So yeah. yeah, so born in Allentown, Pennsylvania, lived there in that area till I was about seven, and then we moved to Florida. Uh, my dad took a job in the northern Orlando suburbs, and so Orlando is pretty much where I grew up. And so I lived there between the time of seven to seventeen, and then my between my junior and senior years of high school is when the company that my dad worked for got bought. Out by a Cincinnati company, and that's how we ended up in Cincinnati.
0: Wow. Gotcha. Um,
1: So, my growing up, I'm still like, and that's, you know, so much of, for example, like my sports fandom is still very much based in florida versus see when i was younger i had time to be able to follow like all four major sports right and mm-hmm. then as i started to like have a career and stuff you just can't and i had to yeah. pare it down
2: so drum drum roll that was where my question was starting was what's your favorite sport what's your favorite team this is going to be interesting because you're all over the place
1: I, i'm i'm all over the place so i as for nfl i am a tampa bay buccaneers fan
2: Whoa, Tampa
0: Bay! Tampa Bay. All right.
1: Bay. <laughs> it, it'll, it's it's one of those things that like when you've when you've had the history that that Bucks fans have had that you you'll sure. just take it at this point because he's better yeah. than basically anything that's coming. Yeah, out. yeah. But yep. I, see, when I was living in that area, this was the nineteen eighties, and in the early early part of the eighties, the Bucks were very good. But as you got into the middle and latter part of the eighties, the Bucks were absolutely terrible. Yeah. And now the, the good news was getting tickets to games was no problem whatsoever. And
0: oh, sure. To,
1: yeah, we used to go down a couple times a year. Uh, my dad would take us. We would sit in that old, decrepit Tampa Stadium, which I think Berman used to call the big sombrero.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that place was an absolute disaster. I mean, if if you're building a stadium in Florida, what better way to do it than to build a big concrete bowl with metal stands <laughs> all over
0: <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh
1: <laughs> what just the misery of that place. Yeah. But you know, I mean you're there with your dad and, and your brother and things. So you have all these great experiences. And so I've stuck with the Bucks all these years. And what was I gonna do besides when I moved to Cincinnati? Was I gonna stick with the Bengals? I mean <laughs> There there are limits to there are limits to mediocrity in what I in what I can accept. Although you wouldn't know that because my NBA team is the Orlando Magic.
2: Oh, all right. Which, which
1: may be a whole new level of purgatory, being a Magic fan, because we're neither good nor bad enough to be interesting.
2: <laughs> were you ever, I'm very curious, were you ever a Predators fan? Do you know who I'm talking about? I know
1: exactly who you're talking about, and yes, I was a Predators fan. Although the sad thing was that the Predators did not exist when I lived in the area.
4: Oh, so okay. I
1: kind of had to, I, I did buy gear, eventually, Predators gear. Uh But I had to kind of do it from afar because, yeah, and I... Okay. Well, you can tie (laughs) this back to the D.C. thing because John Gruden, uh, or or, or, excuse me, uh, Jay Gruden, who used to coach the Washington Mm -hmm. football team, used to be the head coach of the Predators.
2: Wow. I did not know that. I'm wondering if Littles are still even following us as to what sport we're even talking about. (laughs) I'm going to say, here's their last hint. I was at the Arena Bowl in 1996 when the... Firebirds beat the Predators. I was at that game. The only type of championship game I've ever been. So just in case, we're talking about arena football. Albany Firebirds, Orlando Predators. That's the answer we were looking for, little. I did not get uh,
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> you you Sorry. gotta
2: go deep, deep into the recesses for that one. So I did not that think was, we'd talking Predators on this pod. <laughs> right? And Firebirds, who don't even exist anymore. So that was, what, 1999, I believe?
1: You're in the ballpark.
2: I yeah, mean, I think it was 1999. Yeah. yeah. Wow. My sister somehow scored tickets to that. And I was like, Yeah, I'll go. She's like, Do you even know what that is? I'm like, Yeah, I know what it is. I'm like, I've never been. But so I got to go to the freaking Super Bowl of the Arena Bowl.
1: Congrats on home. the title. You know, the Preds can't put it every year.
2: You know, you <laughs> yeah, gotta... you had a good team. That's true. You had a good yeah. team. That's true. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Now, your top of A team, you won in t- 2002, right?
1: Uh, two, uh, 2012, the 2002 season. Yeah. Which I think the two, th- yeah. I think you
2: beat the Raiders. Season,
1: beat the Raiders. And as my, uh, my lovely wife will tell you, this is really the one championship that I've had in my life. And I am not afraid to admit I cried like a baby.
2: Uh, of course.
1: Especially at toward the very end when Derek Brooks had the pick six that really sealed it. And you just kind of got that feeling. And it, it just—it was just kind of this release of all these years of of the support and the pain and the agony and uh, you know just that moment and and it's it's one of those funny things too because like you you look at Tony Dungy and and all the things he did to build that team up but yeah. Tony Dungy could not have won that Super Bowl. It took Gruden taking what Dungy had built and then adding that last bit. Yeah, And then when the Colts won it all the years later, it was almost the exact same thing. I mean, Mm -hmm. you you could not have done this without Peyton Manning getting started and then Dungey coming in and putting in that last step. Um, Mm -hmm. And and that's, I think, the the greatest championships that you just feel so good about is that it just takes – a lot of times, that last kind of thing that brings it all together, and maybe it's fleeting. You know, I mean, in the Bucks' case, they only won one, and, and then I, I even remembered when it all pretty much collapsed that next season. They were on Monday yeah. Night Football. It was against the Colts. They gave up three touchdowns in the last four or five minutes of the game, and then eventually lost in overtime. And it just all came apart from there yeah. uh, and and it happens that way sometimes but you'll never forget that one and of course i even told sarah i'm like look understand i am buying like every single shirt every bit of memorabilia <laughs> i'm buying pennants i am buying like a Tampa tribune cover i may
0: never oh, see yeah.
2: this again yeah you know how you know how you say you never forget you know how i didn't forget because that is the only time I've ever won the final quarter on the squares that ah. super bowl that's the only <laughs> one I've ever won and I forget how much it was but it was you know over $100 was well nice. you nice know. anyway that's how I remember that super bowl all right david well thank you for telling us all those stories i mean this has been great so now we just have some silly questions that we like to ask if that's okay of
0: course well the first question it's not really that silly but did you ever get a chance to make it to chatter
1: I, I am a victim of geography when it comes to
0: chatter.
1: You know, and it's funny, too, because I've talked to a lot of folks that have been to Chatter, and and there's this amazing little kind of community that lives in, not, not terribly far from, from the D.C. area, and you just, it would have been amazing fun to do, like, trivia nights and stuff there, and if oh, I lived in area, sure. yeah, I would have been a junkie. I, I Well, I was going to say, it's
2: probably best, because I'm with you, we are identical, sir. Like, I've said that to other people that I've met, and I'm like, I'm almost thankful I don't live there because I would have been there every day, every yep. day.
1: Yeah. It, yep. would, it could have been a relationship problem at that point. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. I mean, and not just trivia to, to hear the pot every day because I do theater. I work nights. Like, I would have had every morning free. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and
1: my wife will definitely meet your definition of a tiny and, oh. and she's, she's totally cool with that. But I think <laughs> there would have been definite limits on how much that would have <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> I I completely understand.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, David, we'll do the homage. We'll get you out of here on this. I've been waiting a long time for this one. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Merlot or Chardonnay?
4: Ooh. Uh. <laughs> Ooh! that's a good
2: one. I'm See, sorry, I couldn't, and, and, and I couldn't
4: you're, help you're, myself. I know you've been waiting to ask a
1: pinot Bar guy. <laughs> well, <laughs>
2: no, because I, you know, I do all the do, I do all the dumb Coke Pepsi, da da da, all this, and I'm like, oh my god, I got a wine guy, I got to do this. All right. See,
1: And you didn't get, you didn't give me a chance to talk about my Coke Two can, which like I was, I was. Whoa! Just, okay, but, hold on. <laughs> I own a can of Coke Two, and I left it at the house, but I yes, I bought it in of all places Buffalo.
2: Wait, 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 wait. wait. So when, like recently or like
1: early nineties?
2: Okay. Thank wow. you. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay. So Hampton Nager. I hope you're tuning into this. So they're claiming, and I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying like, I have this image. I was not even in, I was basically in high school because it was at the golf course. I would play golf. I was on the golf team and they would have Coke two in the machine. And I loved it. Cause I'm a Pepsi guy. Okay. okay. But Coke two, they basically stole the Pepsi recipe and put it in a Coke 2 can, and then it just went away. But they're claiming when you Wikipedia it or Google it, whatever, it claims it was in the 90s or something, and that was like New Coke or something. I don't know.
1: There, there, Go ahead. Was, there was a time when it was New Coke, and there was a time when it was Coke 2. And in some ways, I think it depended on where you happened to live or where you happened to be because I have ah. seen both. Where, where I got my can of Coke too. And I, it bizarrely, I even remember this. This was when I was in, um, when I was in college, when I was in the marching band at Miami, for some reason, we were invited for two years to be the home opener entertainment for the Buffalo Bills. Wow. I couldn't tell you why, other than it was fun (laughs) to go to Buffalo, but this is where, and I had never seen it before. And I was like, well, now this is interesting. And so I took it home and just kind of Rinse it out and put it away, and it's been kind of sitting on a shelf for 30 years now. And wow. then you mentioned when you mentioned Coke 2 when I was listening a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, ah, so I have to go <laughs> dig out the Coke 2 can. Well, I can have that.
2: did you see the the post on? Uh, are you on Twitter? I'm not. No. Oh, okay. All right. Well, someone's gonna yell at you. I'm not gonna say her name on the air, yeah. but because she doesn't <laughs> like it when I say her name. But. Um, <laughs>
1: That's the only reason
2: why I'm on Twitter. I, trust I, I was me. gonna say
1: it wouldn't be—it would not be the only person yelling at me. <laughs>
2: okay. All right. Well. Anyway, I just w- what what do the kids say? Tweeted. Tweeted. Is that right? Yeah. Tweeted. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I tweeted a picture because I found one on eBay—a k- empty can of Coke too. Two hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> but the shipping's free. But yeah, two hundred fifty dollars <laughs> <Nice>. on eBay. <laughs> so That's- you might be. I would hold on to that. You never know. You could be onto something.
1: Absolutely. If I had about 30 more of them, you know. Yeah, right.
2: Sure. <laughs> no, but you're parent. right because no. I, I knew only because of my experiences in life. I knew it was before I went to college and everything on the, online was saying, no, no, this was in the 90s and I know I'm giving away my age, but I'm like, no, 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 no. That I wasn't in high school in the 90s. So I knew it was before that. I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't have enough proof or whatever you want to call it to like without a doubt say no, 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 you're wrong. I'm not saying they're wrong, but I just knew it was like in the eighties, you know? Right.
1: And and then, you know, they, they, I mean, I don't remember the exact order of which came first on the Coke two versus new Coke, but it wouldn't surprise me if there was a period of time where one ended in one area, but there was still some inventory left. So they were selling through it.
2: Right. Right. Well, you said Buffalo, right?
1: Uh, yeah, we. So, I, I could not tell you why the Miami University band in Oxford, Ohio was getting <laughs> was brought up for two years in a row to play up at Buffalo, but it was a ton of fun. I can tell
2: you that. Yeah. Well, but what I'm saying is see, they call it pop out there. So maybe where they call soda pop was oh, yes. Coke 2, and where they call it soda was New Coke. New I don't Coke. know. Like you said, maybe Coffee. it is. A, a, okay, oh, that but, gets but sir. The
4: whole pop versus
2: soda thing. Yeah, <laughs> no, Okay. Happening. All right, but. You're just like me, and you've tried to change the subject, which you did very well. That's a great story. Now, I realize there's many other types of wine. You might be a Rosé guy. I don't know. I just picked random two, and I just thought it would be funnier than Coke, Pepsi, or Crunchy, or Smooth Peanut Butter. So <laughs> I'm like, I got the wine guy here, so I got to do this. So anyway, go ahead. The floor is well, yours.
1: So what's funny is you, you picked two of what probably are some of the more controversial wines out there that people have Whoa. such strong opinions on. And Roxy, I, write that
2: down. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I, See, and and coming from a a wine guy, I'm of of the opinion that kind of both have been misunderstood. So Merlot. Merlot has, of course, okay, we we all can go back to that line from the Sideways movie and, you know, that kind of tanked Merlot sales for years. But the, (laughs) the thing about Merlot is if you go over to its traditional home over in Bordeaux, What do you see? Well, you see that Merlot is blended with other grapes. It's blended with Cabernet Sauvignon. It's blended with Cabernet Franc. uh, It's blended with Petit Verdot and Malbec, all of which are kind of grown in that regional area over in Bordeaux. So over in this country, we, for some reason, seem to think that, oh, well, you know, we need to bottle all these things individually. So we have to have 100% Cabernet Sauvignon and 100% Merlot. And so Merlot gets this reputation for not being a very interesting wine. And I I kind of, that's where I come down on it as sort of as a, when I drink it on its own, that's how I think about it. But it misstates, I think, what Merlot really is supposed to be. It's not intended to be a star player. It's intended to be a team player. You know, mm. it's intended to kind of be the Tim Duncan, you know. Tim Duncan doesn't accomplish anything <laughs> without Tony Parker and Ginobili. It You're just a- trying
2: to get on my good what? side now. That's a great analogy. All right, go ahead.
1: But it is. And, and that's, you know, it, it's because I I personalize so much of this, you know, and that's, it's just kind of how my mind thinks about it. And so Merlot has a great role to play. I just don't think it was ever intended to do what we do with it here in this country. Now let's go the other side. Let's talk about Chardonnay. Okay. So Chardonnay, it changes so much depending on where you are. Now, if you get a Chardonnay from California, you're going to get something that's Probably been fermented in new oak barrels like the ones behind me. You're going to taste a lot of wood. You're going to taste a lot of this butteriness. And some people love that. I don't. I'm just not a fan of that. Having said that, we also grow Chardonnay here in Oregon. And the style that we tend to make Chardonnay, and, and I don't personally make a Chardonnay, but the folks around me make it, is very, very different. It's almost always done in steel tanks, so you're not getting the oaky flavor. And it's something that's a little bit, a lot more crisp versus the butteriness. And I—and it's much closer to how it's done over in france and so oregon chardonnay would be my absolute top of that list followed by merlot and then followed by california chardonnay under Hmm.
2: littles how about that information for life talk about the x's and o's of winery like holy cow (laughs) david that was you i wish you could see the smile on my face i was like i've never learned so much about I feel like, you know, I was doing Shakespeare a whole, my whole life, never understood a word, and then I saw Shakespeare in Love, and I understood Romeo and Juliet. That's what you just <laughs> did with me for wine.
1: Well, hopefully, so, hopefully I haven't totally bored, you No know, 90%. Oh, I, oh no. are you kidding
2: me? That, that was like, it was like you were dissecting your favorite sports team. That was great.
1: That was, I thought so. <laughs> well, Whatever. The, it's our, the thing about wine that's so special is that wine brings people together, and I think so many times... We, being kind of the general public, we think that wine is so much more complicated than it really is. When people are in the tasting room, and I say this all the time, when you get down to it, wine is just fermented grape juice. That, that's all it is. Mm-hmm. And there are style things and some things that we can do to, to, you know, change the flavor and things like that, but that's all it is. And we, sh- it's just enjoy it more than anything else. When you find something you like, just enjoy it. And, you know, somebody like me can always kind of help you on understanding the why part.
0: Wow. That's so interesting. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> all right,
4: littles.
2: Winery 101. Yep. Uh, in my case, it'd be winery for dummies, but David, I can't thank you enough. Please plug away. What do we got? How can we find you? How can we buy your stuff? What do we need to do?
1: Well, fortunately, we're we're real easy to find. So you can find our website. It's bellsupwinery.com, and you can email us at info, I-N-F-O, at bellsupwinery.com, and you'll almost certainly be talking to me, but my wife, Sarah, is is the other person who sometimes answers that email. So when we're recording this right now, um, we're kind of getting to the cold season for folks that are living on the East Coast and in the Midwest. So we're going to be a little limited on what we can ship for the next couple of months. Although that's not necessarily a bad thing because like I am at at the moment sold out of all of our white wines and rosé. However, once we get into March, we're going to be able to start shipping again. And so if folks are really interested, what I would recommend is giving us a call or emailing us and doing a pre-order for some wines that I can ship to you once we get into March. We'll have our whites, we'll have our rosé, we'll have our Syrah. And, And this is the one that I'm so excited about. It is the very first true full-bodied Pinot Noir that I have made with grapes 100% from our estate vineyard here on our property. Wow,
3: congratulations. Um, That's
1: awesome. I mean, we first started planting that vineyard in 2014. And the thing about grapes is that it takes you, until you get anything usable, it takes you about four years with those vines being in the ground. Mm
4: -hmm. And
1: then to get something that is of the quality that you're going to bottle as a Pinot Noir, it's another couple years after that. And then it's another year of aging. And so we're finally at that point where, okay, we are finally ready in March, April, we just got it bottled. Everything looks great. We're really, really excited about it. So that's going to get released in late March, early April. So definitely uh, call us, uh, email us about that one. We'd love to hear from you. I cannot tell you. And so here's our version of use the code for littles. Um, <laughs> oh,
2: we have codes?
1: We, we have. So, okay. So here's the thing. I don't have a quote official code because my thing was I wanted if people were going to contact us, I really wanted it to be because it was in their hearts to do it. But once they did that, I was going to throw our wine club member pricing on him so basically and and i won't go into all the details here but essentially the minute you get to a total of six bottles in an order you start to get discounts and then the more you buy your discounts go up from there but for littles we've just been giving them that nobody's as long as as long as i know you're a little nothing Hmm. else special you need to do we've just been doing it for folks and so as i've told people it's like yeah this is our version of use the code
2: See, Roxy, this is why you need to get from tiny status to little status. I I think I'm close. Uh, I think I'm getting there. Well, she does watch PTI almost every day. Uh, So that's good. Uh, And you can definitely put Roxy down for one of those uh, roses, Uh, I'm sure. So we'll be in touch, as they say. (laughs) So, because I know everyone's going to want to know what's your Twitter page again? ah just got the the winery
1: has a twitter page oh it has a twitter page i don't but the winery does
2: (laughs) oh i'm sorry claire i I tried i tried to to bust his balls and i couldn't
1: (laughs) see what you have to understand is my 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 lovely wife uh, the woman to whom i am related by marriage her big contribution to the winery she does all of our marketing including social media Mm -hmm. it's the one Thing that I just don't get very involved in because there is so much other. I mean, really, every, all the things that we do—it's all every individual thing is a full-time job between making yeah. the wine, selling the wine the vineyard stuff. So Sarah does an amazing job and and she actually has a business, a separate business where she's a freelancer. And so marketing is what she does anyway and so it, she's it just fits perfectly with kind of what her skill set already is. So mm. she handles the Twitter stuff and the Instagram stuff and the updating the Facebook and the blogs and all that good stuff and I, she's just always harasses me for content, you know, all the time. But, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, that's great. David, I cannot thank you enough. Everyone, go to the website, say hi to David, call him up, order some wine for the spring, and uh, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so great.
1: Thank you all so much for having me. It's It, it has really been a thrill. I mean, I, I once I was so excited once I saw you were starting to do this. I was like, oh boy, I can only hope that at some point he reaches out to me. So I'm <laughs>
0: <blessed to the laughs>
2: thank you well it's our pleasure thanks again it was so nice
0: to meet you (laughs) great to meet you
2: too all right littles we'll be right back welcome back to the loyal littles podcast and we're not going to say it again but we know we're all thinking it man if that was an education that was like taking a class i've never learned so much about wine in my life am i right roxy that was just oh yeah anyway dave thank you so much for coming on that was so sweet we're running a little long today, so we're going to close this up real quickly. I do have one one quick question for Chuck, but I'm going to save that because first what we're going to do is we have a plea to all you loyal littles. We need your help. And what we mean by that is we're looking for suggestions. So let me say it again real quick, wtfcpodnet at gmail.com. That's our email address. Please email us and let us know some suggestions on how we can get the word out a little bit more about this podcast, okay? We've been discovering, first of all, I do want to give a quick shout out. I know there's a few of you out there that have retweeted when I post our dropped episode on Twitter and all these places, you've retweeted it or whatever they call it, and we really appreciate that. We have noticed and we think that will be one of the ways that we can get the word out more. The only reason I'm bringing this up is simply because we've now had two or three different instances in the last like two weeks about littles finding out about our podcast through like third party grapevine kind of thing. It's it's the weirdest thing. Joe Arrow tweeted out to me saying he met someone from the Atlanta area who didn't even She's a a little she's in our main group, but she didn't know anything about our about the Loyal Littles podcast. And so she's now uh, listening and wants to come on. And that's fantastic. And I guess that's what we're trying to figure out is without spamming everyone, which is not what we want to do. We do drop the episode in all the groups one time. I I think that, like I said, I don't want to keep updating the group pages nonstop because we also realize that once we post it and then other people post stuff, it gets pushed down and we, we get that. But like I said, we don't want to do that. We don't want to just keep posting it five times a day. Oh, the new podcast is dropped. So we're trying to think of other ways. We are going to start asking people as part of the end of the podcast to don't forget to retweet the episode and stuff like that, because that will help because your friends of friends. We're trying to get out there on Twitter and we are at Loyal Littles Pod. That's our Twitter handle. And we are getting more follows, which is great. So we're getting the word out there. We're just trying to – if there's something we're not doing, we want to make sure we can start doing it because we want to get the word out there as much as possible. So please, wtfcpodnet at gmail.com. Email us your suggestions on ways we can get the word out, simply put. So, yeah, so that's how we're going to close the show today. Thank you all for listening in to the Loyal Littles Podcast. Roxy, we already just kind of gave out the email address and everything. But remember, follow us at Loyal Littles Pod on the Twitter. Don't forget to give our Facebook page, the Loyal Littles Podcast, a like and all that stuff. We can't thank you enough for all the support. We hope 2021 has started you off. Great. Now, I also know that we have done, normally in this slot, we usually do a Friday Five. So we're going to give you a little taste. Chuck, I got a question for you. Uh Uh-oh.
3: Have you ever milked a cow, Chuck? (laughs) (laughs) Be honest, Chuck. Wow, that's just a random question. (laughs) Friday Five R, Chuck. (laughs) I have never milked a cow. Uh... Let me think about this. Have I? (laughs)
2: No, all right, not. Chuck, you think about that. You get back to us on the next episode. Thank you, all you loyal littles That's out possible. there. Happy New Year. <laughs> happy 2021. Let's make it the best year ever. Thank you, Chuck and Roxy, as always.
0: Yes, everyone, stay happy, stay healthy, stay sane. We can do this.
2: And remember, if you're out shopping tonight,
0: use the use code. code.
3: Oh, better do that again. <laughs> No, I Chuck, said coop, that's a keeper. I said coupon. You said coupon, <laughs> Chuck? Yeah. I forgot it was a code. I'm just going to keep all that, I think.
4: Back from the night. You have no regrets Dust on the walls And under your bed
0: Podcast is produced by the WTFC Podcast Network and edited by Louis B. Crocco.
4: Oh yeah.